Hi, everyone. Welcome to the MBA Insider Podcast. I am your host, Al D, and the author of MBA Insider. This podcast is for career-driven professionals looking for advice on how to grow their careers by leveraging the skills, experiences, and knowledge gained from an MBA degree. In each episode, I'll give you a look into the business school experience, along with practical tips, career advice, and real-life stories to help professionals grow their careers. Hi, and welcome to the MBA Insider Podcast. My name is Al D. I'm the host of the MBA Insider Podcast and the founder of MBAschool.com. And today I'm excited because I have two other podcast hosts uh, themselves, as well as uh, MBA grads in terms of uh, Laura Mitra and Eric Eliason. Uh, They are the co-hosts of the How I Got Here podcast and are two proud Sloan MBA alums. And so thank you both for joining me today. Uh, to talk a little bit about your time at Sloan and also to talk a little bit about uh, your background as well as the podcast that you have. And so let's start with you, Laura. Um, Tell us, uh, tell me, um, you know, what, tell us a little bit about yourself and then why did you choose to go to business school in the first place? Sure. And thanks so much also for having us, Al. I'm looking forward to this conversation. Also, I'm looking forward to learning some new things about Eric, who I talk to on a daily (laughs) basis, but I'm sure we'll, we'll get some new insight on him too through this process. Um, A little bit about me. I was born and raised in the D.C. area, one of my favorite cities in the world to this day. My parents work as economists in international development. And so growing up, because my parents worked in that field, I had a gut reaction against it. I wanted to do something different. But the more and more I was exposed to the types of things they were doing, the more and more I began to get really struck by health and human rights related inequities in particular. Um, I remember being little and learning about like the illegal organ trade and kidney trafficking and was just enraged by it while I was younger. So that led me to study biology and human rights and health in undergrad, um, after which I took a bit of a detour in my career and went into consulting like all three of us here and then spent a year at the Gates Foundation before heading into business school. That's great. Thank you for that background. Um, and always also great to meet some ex-consultants. Uh, that's, a, that's always phenomenal. Eric, how about yourself? Yeah, happy to happy to be among ex-consultants, I guess. Uh, so I grew up in Connecticut, uh, kind of northern part of Connecticut, and ended up going to Yale for my undergrad, where I studied economics and religious studies. Religious studies, because that was something I was interested in and, and passionate about, questions of, you know, how should we live and, and why are we here? Uh, and economics, because my dad said, you know, you should do something that is actually useful and you can actually apply to a job. So found myself in, uh, you know, in business saying like, I want to be in business. What does that mean? And consulting seemed the perfect fit for that. It's like, I don't exactly know what industry or function I want to be in, but I want to learn a lot. I'm intellectually curious. And so ended up at Bain for a couple of years after, um, after college. In terms of business school, I took some time off from Bain and worked at Harry's Razors in New York. Uh, because when I was at Bain, the, everyone was kind of telling me, you should go to business school, you should go to business school. And so I was immediately suspicious, right? I was like, oh, everybody's telling me I should do this. Maybe that's not a good idea. And so let me go to a culture that doesn't 
say that that's the only path of how you're going to proceed. And so I went to Harry's and they were like, yep, you can have a successful time here and a career here um, without going to get your MBA. And after a few months there, I looked around and everybody I wanted to be, despite them saying that you didn't need to get an MBA, everyone I wanted to be had an MBA. So I was like, oh my goodness. Okay, well, I don't want to just be working for you. I want to be you. I want to be executive leadership. I want to be a part of these conversations. And so that was what really convinced me to, to go then and apply and, and go pursue an MBA. Uh, that's great. And two things. Number one, I love how you were immediately suspicious when you saw that everyone else was doing something. And <laughs> you're like so many of us, uh, myself included from time to time, are like, oh, I'm going to go do that thing. So I love how that was a warning sign, not a uh, a green light sign. But the other thing is, is that I never thought I'd see the day, but I met another consultant who used to be, who studied theology in college. I was actually a theology go. major as well. Oh my goodness. There you go. Yeah, no. So uh, I went to VC for undergrad and uh, I went to a Catholic Jesuit high school. And so um, it was kind of in the, uh, in the blood, so to speak. Uh, but yeah. it's funny because people always ask me like, oh, like why, you know, why did you study theology or how did you become a consultant from studying theology? And <laughs> yeah. I always felt like I had to defend myself, but now I know that I'm not the only one. Who You're, not alone. <laughs> yeah. You're not alone. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I guess on that notion of can drill down real quick for a second. What do you think from your theology degree helped you as a consultant? I think what was really helpful along those lines was, you know, I was economics and, and religious studies. And I like that pairing because economics, super rational, right? Like you're, you're assuming rational thought and all these, you're optimizing. That's not how humans are, right? So when you go into consulting, you're entering this world where you have people that are not acting purely on rational thought and sometimes for good reason, right? It's, it's cultural, it's what they believe in. And so I felt like studying religion makes you understand things that don't make sense. When you get to study religion, you can go and understand, oh no, there is a logic about this. And there's things that we can uh, be persuaded by that aren't just reason and rationality. I think that's super relevant when you go into business, but in particularly into consulting. Yeah, no, I, I think that's great. And I, the other thing I would say, because I agree with a lot of that, I think the other thing that was really helpful for me at least is that um, particularly in a consulting environment, if you can bring a different or diverse perspective, I think that adds a lot of value, particularly if you work in a company that you know allows for it. And um, I always found that, um, uh, like you a little bit, so I studied business, so very similar to economics, but yeah. coming in with that theo- um, a background in theology and just thinking through the ways in which I you know, studied some of those, th- those thinkers and how they thought and using that kind of mindset just in how I showed up and thought and approached problems. Um, I think it just gave a different perspective that people didn't always realize or didn't know that someone could have that kind of perspective, you know, on a particular case team or something. And uh, there were a lot of times when I can remember very vividly where I came up with something that people at first kind of looked at funny, but then they were like, oh, okay, like, that's actually great that someone thought of that because we never would have. And I think, if anything, it taught me just the value in those diverse um, perspectives, as well as the diverse ways in which we learn. And so um, it was, uh, I found a lot of like value out of it uh, in my experience. And I'm so, certainly glad that you did. Um, okay. Um, or maybe back to you. Um, so talk to me a little bit about Sloan. Um, maybe go a little bit about why you chose it and then um, share a little bit just about your time there and maybe a highlight or two from that. Yeah, well, I'll start with why I chose it and, and even business school, I guess, in the first place. I mean, as I, I mentioned earlier, I was a bio major in college, so I had very little formal business training, unlike the two of you who got a little bit of that. And 
of course, via consulting at, at BCG, I got a lot of exposure to the business world and the way things work, but felt very much like I was missing just some of the fundamentals. And so I went to business school partly to get that. But I also think I had somewhat of a belief that I would gain a lot of confidence from going to business school. You know, suddenly with a degree and an MBA credential, I would feel more confident in this business world and taking a stand, owning my spot at the table. And I've realized over time that that's definitely a false notion to some degree. You know, a credential alone doesn't lead to confidence. But I will say various experiences I've had over the past few years at Sloan, like starting this podcast with Eric, have helped build that confidence um, and helped me in professional settings. And so that's been an added bonus of, of the business school experience and the Sloan experience in particular. I think that's a great insight just about what you said and just in terms of wanting to go for that confidence, but realizing that part of it comes from within. I'm curious, is there any particular moment or maybe just like a series of moments where that really came to light from you? Or how are you able to get to a point where you had that aha moment to realize, oh, okay, like it wasn't, I wasn't coming here to get this, like it's just within me. Yeah, I mean, it's a lot of a lot of smaller realizations, I think. I think when I was at BCG, it started off, you know, if I didn't necessarily speak up or say something right away, um, you know, make my voice heard, I thought, okay, once I go to business school, you know, after that, I'll feel empowered to do that. And then you get to business school and I'm like, okay, it's it's still hard for me to always jump in in the classroom and, and Eric's there like nudging me like raise your hand so that always let's, helped too let's be clear Lara sat in the front row and never <laughs> raised her hand she Eric was you're getting, outing me here I was gonna say she's just getting called out <laughs> left and right here <laughs> but I think actually one of our interviews that Eric and I did with a woman named Kate Bennett um, who is on the admissions team actually at Harvard Business School, she opened up to us about how she still faces imposter syndrome to this day. And I think that was partly like the light clicking for me that, okay, this thing never goes away. You know, it, it really is something that it's not like a credential or a milestone or achieving even like an age or a tenure in your life is going to solve. And you have to just start taking ownership of it, start taking risks um, and then it'll get better over time. And I think I say that the podcast has helped with that because it's been a way to put ourselves out there, to take risks, to ask for things, hear some no's, you know, but realize that life goes on. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, not to pontificate too much, but I can relate to that in a couple of ways. But the one thing that I often think about, um, very similar to both of you, it sounds like, I think we've all probably had to work really hard for what we've gotten, but we've all ended up in places that, um, for lack of a better word, are, are pretty top notch, you know, in terms of the colleges that we went to, in terms of the places that we worked, where you're constantly surrounded by other people who are at the top of their game. And you learn so much from that. But I also think it can sometimes be really challenging in that respect, because that is partially where I think that imposter syndrome comes from. And I think, at least for me, one of the things that I've had to, for myself, learn to lean into is... Um, to, to be okay with being in those situations and, and embracing it as opposed to um, running from it. And, and I certainly still, I mean, very much as uh, Emily, like I still, or um, Kate, um, I still feel it from time to time. And that knowing that successful people still feel that makes me feel better. But okay. I, I've also just tried to have to think into myself when I feel those moments of just leaning into it and embracing it. Because if I want to keep being in these moments and like being in the game, um, I'm going to have to lean into it, not, not run away from it. But, totally. but it does kind of come just from, you know, consistently always being around really smart, really hardworking, really successful people. 
Um, Eric, how about yourself? You know, why, why Sloan? And, and maybe again, you know, same thing, you know, what, you know, what's really been a highlight from that experience? Yeah. I, and I'm just riffing off kind of what you had just said too, was one of the people that was most instrumental in my Sloan experience and, and why I wanted to come. Well, I'll answer this first. I guess why yeah. I wanted to come was I was interested in Sloan because I was interested in entrepreneurship, right? Like yeah. I had spent some time at Harry's it, at the time it was a hundred person company and it was great. I had an awesome time. They were crushing it, but it was clear that they were going to be successful. Right. And I was like, this is too big. I want to be at a place where like my impact really matters. And frankly, I wanted to be on the East coast and Sloan was going to be the best place for me to really explore entrepreneurship and try and do something myself. So when I think about what's most important to me about my Sloan experience was, is definitely my, my communications professor, Mira Kazakoff, who we've had the pleasure of having on the podcast. But I remember when I went in and had a conversation with him, he was eating yogurt you know, before he was going to class. I'm like, why are you eating this yogurt? And he's like, oh, I don't eat anything solid before class because uh, I get really nervous. And my stomach goes up. This guy is an unbelievable communicator, and he was nervous before his class. And to to what you and Laura were saying earlier, this idea of like people still feel nervous, even if they look like they aren't. And I just felt like for me that was like, wow, okay, I feel nervous when I'm up speaking in front of a crowd, and so does he, and that is empowering to me. And so I think the more you are around those people and they open up. Um, it's just uh, really amazing. So I think for me, Sloan, what was amazing was this person, he was an entrepreneur himself and he encouraged me to go and say, you know, you're a consultant, you're coming in here, you have a different experience, like come and start something, just do anything and just go and try it because this is the least risky time period in your life and you're going to learn so much by going off on your own. And so he was really the one that convinced us to go and found this podcast and, and do a bunch of work. And, and we've learned so much. It's certainly the most I've learned from my MBA, more than classes. I've learned a lot in classes, but this has been an unbelievable experience. That's great. Uh, well, then let's, let's just dive into it. Talk to, talk to me a little bit about um, the podcast and how it got started and, and what, uh, what the idea behind it and all that fun stuff. But before you answer that, also get, give us the origin story of how you guys met. It sounds like you guys were in class together, but, <laughs> but talk about that too. So Lara and I were on, um, in the same ocean, which is the same, yeah. it's like a cohort at, um, at Sloan. And so we were uh, kind of knew each other tangentially through that. And then also we're in operations class together, which we both loved. Lara sitting in the front row, as I said. Eric right? sat and- next to me in the front <laughs> row. Let's not forget that detail. <laughs> Only so I could bump her so she would actually participate. <laughs> And share all her wonderful insight with us. Um, but uh, so anyways, I did have, so we knew, Laura and I knew of each other from this. And she was from BCG and I was from Bain. And we had had a, b- a bunch of casual conversations of like, gosh, like, what are you trying to do after this? Like consulting, I feel like finds these people that are like, well, I don't know, something. And uh, after I had this conversation with Miro, Miro was like, why don't you just start something that you want to go answer a question that you're interested in? And so this question was like, how do people figure out what they want to do with their lives? How do people navigate their careers? And I remember feeling really so jazzed about that idea is I literally come up with the idea of the name, how I got here. I went and found, bought the domain name, made a a Gmail account. And, uh, you know, I was like, who, I need a co-founder for this because it's just so much easier and you need somebody to help push you. And I was like, who do I want on my team on this? And there was no question in my mind that it was Laura. And so I remember reaching out to Laura and we were leaving from some event and she was about to leave the door. I was like, Hey, Laura, I have this idea. 
of this podcast and this thing I want to start. And uh, she was so excited. I sent her an email from the thing and she was like, I'm so in, like in all caps. And, <laughs> you know, that, the rest is history. I mean, we worked on it for so long, kind of coming to like, what would this be? But, you know, from that day on, we were partners in, in this journey. That's great. Uh, Laura, anything you, you want to add from your perspective, Eric? Did Eric cover it? Did he lie about anything? Is there anything <laughs> we, need, we need to know? No, he covered it. I mean, we were jazzed from the start. I think one thing we joke about now is that Eric did go off and, and buy the domain name right away. And we didn't do enough of the Googling to see what else who else was called How I Got Here, which we realized later on was a lot of people, including some <laughs> other podcasts. So we had to work the, the search engines, um, but we finally show up on the first page of Google results now. And so it all, it all ended well. Um, but no, I mean, it's great. I mean, just to give some context for those listeners who, who are not familiar with How I Got Here, what it really is, is it's a platform where we showcase career stories of professionals. As Eric said, we get into the decisions they made, the challenges they face, the lessons they learned, that sort of stuff. And we do that primarily through the podcast in which we interview a guest whose like, career we really admire and we chat through some of those questions. And then more recently through a newsletter as well, in which we share written stories as well as articles and, and research on career-related topics that are on our minds. It's great. And part of the reason why I wanted to bring them on is because I've listened to a couple episodes and I've read uh, through the newsletter and seen some of the blog. And I, and I really appreciated it as someone who thinks a lot about my own career as well as just career development in, in general. And so um, we'll definitely link it in the show notes and, and whatnot for people to check out. Um, I'm curious for both of you, if, uh, whoever wants to answer, where did, when did you start thinking about careers? And I don't mean that, I mean, I know I'm sure you've always thought about your career to a certain degree, but bigger than that, you know, bigger than that in the sense of that you wanted to dedicate, you know, a podcast as well as a lot of your waking hours, you know, thinking about it, right? Like, where did that come from, from both of you? I think, you know, the way that I started thinking about it is like, I remember the first time I thought I started thinking about my career was like one of my best friends, you know, was crushing it, getting an amazing internship junior year of college. And I wasn't. And I was like, holy shit, I better pay attention. And I better, you know, figure out what I want to do. And I remember that was the first time I started thinking seriously about my career is like, oh, okay, I'm not just in college, I need to graduate, I need to figure out what I'm going to do afterwards. Um, but in terms of like doing this podcast and thinking about it, I think when I was going to business school, so much of it is like, you have to have a plan and you have to figure out what, exactly what you want to get out of it. And, you know, I think Laura and I are both in this particular position where we're sponsored. So we're going to go back to exactly where we knew we were going to be. And just answering this big question of what is the next 30, 40 years of my life going to look like? And the only way I know how to answer that is by asking people I admire how they got there and how, how, how they were able to navigate it. Yeah, for me, I mean, very similar to Eric in that for a long time, I didn't really register. I mean, I was always driven and ambitious and wanted to do things with my life, but because I was so wrapped up in this like pre-med biology world, those careers are very straightforward. I mean, they're really mm -hmm. tough, yeah. but there's a, there's a specific path that you follow, right? And as soon as I started veering off of that is when I started to think about, okay, what really do I want to do? And business school applications, man, that those were really hard for me because so many of them do ask for very specific five, 10, 
etc. year plans, Sloan doesn't, which was an early indication that this was a good place for me, right? They focus much more on the past um, as opposed to the future. But I think still felt a little bit uneasy when I got to Sloan and couldn't answer that question for myself. Eric and I quickly bonded over that. We would look around and it seemed like everyone else had it figured out and we didn't. And so we started having these conversations with others, realized, wow, there's so much valuable insight and advice here and just stories too. Sure. And thought might as well record it and, and share some of that with other people who might feel similarly. No, I, th- I think that's great. Um, I think the one thing I would add from just from my experience that uh, from my working experience is that working at a management consulting firm, uh, one of the things that I think they probably do better than the average company is that they do devote resources to career development, right? And part of that is because they, they, they need to in order to get the most out of their employees, but also because um, in a lot of cases, you know, what that ends up leading to is uh, future relationships for them, right? And in terms of where their people go on to next. And um, the one thing that I, I, for me, at least in addition to similar to you, Laura, like I've always wanted to, you know, do well and, and be successful, but one of the things that I realized um, or when I saw and I looked around even within Deloitte is that the people who looked to be the most successful and then also in addition to that, at least seemed the most content or happy with what they were doing were the people who seemed like they were going to take it by the horns and, and, and not wait. Right. And um, I, who, some of them maybe had it figured out, but for others, um, even if they hadn't figured it out, it was more just the acknowledgement that um, if they wanted to, to achieve some level of success, whatever that was, they were going to have to take it into their own hands um, to do it. And I think that's one thing that I've always kind of, uh, that, that, you know, I take with me from my time at Deloitte just was just that notion of, um, yeah, like it, it, no one's going to, no one's going to put out their hand waiting for you to, to kind of bring you along the way. Like if it's something you want to do, whatever it is, like it's on you to kind of, to, to figure out for yourself. And mm-hmm. You know, now that you've had the chance to interview lots of people, um, I'd love to maybe unpack, um, you know, what, what have you learned or what are some of the favorite kind of nuggets of wisdom or stories or um, things that really stuck out to you based off of some of the conversations that you've had from people sharing their own experiences? Yeah, I mean, so many conversations. I think we've had almost 20 interviews now. And uh, it's every story is so unique, which has been amazing. And I feel like I always find something that's really inspirational or changes the way I think about my career in each one. But to be specific, I think some of the ones that stand out is uh, figuring out the type of person and the type of people I want to be and how they approach their careers. So there was this one person uh, that we interviewed. His name was Andrew No, and he was just unbelievably. Uh, self-aware and and humble and and his story that he shared was you know I think so much of us so many of us maybe myself I'm guilty of this is aspiring like oh what is career success it's being the CEO it's being the founder of something amazing and you're the one in charge and Andrew knew himself so well that he said you know when he founded his this company that he helped co-found he was like I wasn't the guy to be the CEO you know, and I wasn't the guy to be biz dev. His role was to be the COO, which was a lot of one-on-one personal conversations. It was, uh, you know, a little bit more um, not in front of a bunch of people. And that was his strength. And I think that's just such a great lesson that I've learned is like, don't 
think about what society wants from you. Think about what are you good at? What are your strengths? What do you actually like? You know, if you were in a room just alone and thinking about it and go pursue that because that's what's going to lead to your own success because you're going to be better at it. You're going to be interested at it. And I, I really uh, admire Andrew for ability to do that. Another one that I'll share is, is around this sweet spot between planning and serendipity, which is something that I spent a lot of time thinking about. You know, you hear of people who have such serendipitous or lucky moments, and then you also hear of people who have like planned out their entire career. And I remember one of our earliest interviews, Elise Neumeyer, she described her career as very serendipitous and not a result of careful planning. Yet she had certain habits and practices that really helped facilitate that serendipity. For example, she returned every single call from a recruiter that ever came her way just to explore the opportunity that they were pitching to her. And so even people who seem to attract luck or or serendipity oftentimes are doing things in the background that are making them open and and receptive to it. And so that's something that I have thought about in my career is like, where do I want to strike that right balance and sweet spot between how much I plan versus how much I I leave open to serendipity, recognizing there's always certain habits and and things that I can be doing to make make sure I'm open to that serendipity and luck. I think both of those are great. And I I can definitely relate to the, the serendipity and planning piece. And you know, I think what I always come back to is that when I look, when you look at some people who are lucky, like when you actually peel back and see kind of the work that they're putting in each and every day, what you realize is that in many ways, um, they're creating opportunities for luck to, to happen, right? Because they're, they're showing up, right? And they're putting in the work and they're putting in the reps and then the luck comes. I mean, there's always the, going to be the stroke of luck and that, that is what it is, but, um, uh, and so I, I always really, uh, I love, I love that you, you brought that up. Um, I was going to say that I remember one of the ones, well, one of the cool, cooler stories I remember, I think it was, I think it was Emily Hayward with what mm-hmm. I was listening to, um, what she was doing before business school and then like going to business school. Is that the one where she was, um, was that working for Enron? Um, oh, oh Nicole. That was Nicole. Sorry, Nicole. Yeah. Yes. And so that, that was like, wow, like talk about like, Talk about an MBA essay um, if you ever, <laughs> ever had one, but, um, but uh, also a form of experience and something to learn from to kind of learn and grow from and to, to move in a different way. But, um, but yeah, no, I, um, I think both of the points you kind of brought to light, I think are, are great. And I think there's also just to your point, there's so much power in being able to um, pull out those nuggets from different people and to think about how do they apply to my own life or how, how does this resonate with me? And so I guess maybe on that notion, um, I know you've just started this, but is there any, uh, anything you've maybe changed about your own thought process or mindset um, as a result of being able to talk to all these people and, uh, and, and what you've learned from just from having that, those conversations with them? Yeah, I think one, one example that comes to mind that, that I think addresses your question is um, a reflection I've had Around after all these interviews that successful people spend a lot of time working on themselves. And I think, Al, this mm. relates to your point earlier about your reflections, looking around your colleagues um, and seeing all the work that they're putting in. A couple examples from our interviews, one was Austin, and he was someone who dedicated a couple hours a week to professional development. And he baked this into his calendar where he'd reflect and read to better himself professionally 
Another example is Veronica, one of our latest interviewees. She kept and revisited every single one of her performance evaluations so that she could work on her mistakes that she had made in the past and not repeat them again in the future. So I think one thing I've learned is just to have a successful career, one that you find really meaningful, it doesn't just happen by chance or come naturally. It's the product of a lot of thought and intention. And what that means for me is as someone who's not naturally someone who writes stuff down or like practices reflection or is patient enough to, to meditate as much as I, as much as I want to. Um, even as I get busy, I, I really want to make the time for that type of reflection because when that slips, you know, that's when I fall back into bad habits or feel stressed or uncertain and not in control of my career. And the people that we've interviewed who, who we consider successful uh, make time for that and, and really put in a lot of work. Yeah. How about you, Eric? Yeah. For me, I think what I've learned from all of these conversations is that careers are so long. You know, I think when we look at our careers and I, for myself, I think about myself at, in college thinking about, okay, I got to get a really amazing job. And then, you know, once I do that, I'm going to get into a, a business school and then, you know, what's the next step, next step. And it's like, when you think about your career in these micro steps, it can be really hard to lose the picture that your career is 30, 40 years long. And so I think having these conversations with people just makes you realize like, you know, when you've had somebody that's 20 years older than we are. It's like, oh, wow, you tried this and then you changed and that wasn't a good fit. And then you went and changed uh, and did something totally different. And I think there's a bunch of examples across our interviews. And so for me, it's just, I think, putting a little less pressure on myself. It's like, you know what? Like, you're going to figure it out and, of course, work hard and, and keep coming at it and be open to those serendipitous, serendipitous moments. But just remember that careers are long and you have a lot of time to do a lot of different things. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And I, I, I know people quote this all the time, but it's kind of um, just like Warren Buffett has made like the majority of his money out like when he was started like over the age of like 65, right? Right. Like, it's not that right. he was yeah. twiddling his thumbs for the first, you know, 65 years of his life. But like, you know, like that's, you know, just to, your, to illustrate your point, like he's been around for a long time and like success can cut like it may not happen overnight or it's not going to yeah. be for like the duration of your entire career. Like it really, yeah. it really is that um, it really is that journey. I think. One of the things sometimes that I think about, and I'd be curious just because I think you both have been in these kinds of environments um, where there's always going to be like guidelines and guardrails in the sense to Eric, to your point in terms of, okay, well, um, after associate consultant, it's this. And then after that, it's business school. And then after that, you come back and then it's, you know, this or it's these like things and those and those guidelines and guardrails, they're really helpful. I think when you when you're starting off, when when you don't know a lot of things and you need you need to understand what, what good could look like. But I, what I, I don't know, like, I'm curious to hear what you think, but what I've seen is that, um, again, going back to looking at people in my life who have been most successful, I think some of the most successful people at some point, they realize that those guidelines and guardrails, they're really helpful, but at some point it's your, it's on, it's on you to, to figure out what they're going to be from you from here on out. Um, totally. Yeah. I think, and I, I think that's a great point, Al. And I think, so much of that when you take it back, not to be, think about it as insidious, but these companies are making those like plans yeah. to track you, to keep you sure. there, right? It's like, right. here's the skills you need to perform. And you're like, great, I know how to get an A plus. I will go get yeah. that A plus. And then you're stuck in this job. And so I think to that effort, and I think what I was inspired by, you know, I just started a new job working at this company called Sneak. And I 
wanted to come up with my own professional development tracker. So I stopped for a moment. I thought about my career and I was like, where, where do I want to go? And what skills do I need to get there? And I brought that to my manager and I said, you know, grade me on whatever you have to for the company, but this is what I want you to grade on yeah. me on because this is what I really care about because this is what I, where, where I want to be. And so I think exactly to your point is like, take that into your hands and build yeah. that yourself and bring that to your manager. They'll be open to it. And, um, and that's how you can make sure you're, you're going where you want to go rather than where your company wants you to go. Yeah. I think Eric, I mean, he showed me his professional <laughs> kindly and was like, I want to write your that. own. <laughs> and well, no, it was also a good push to, to make me write it down. And I think in addition to writing it and doing the thought exercise, I think the value of it, of, of Eric showing it to someone else, for me, I'm still in grad school, so I haven't actually given mine to, to anyone else or a boss or, or made it public in sure. that way. But even sharing it with, you know, your parents, your, your partner, your friends, and making it known where you want to go. You know, people talk about that idea of like manifesting and, and all of that, but I think it is so real because then you start getting people sending you things, you, they help you not veer from that track and follow the predetermined path that a company or society is telling you to follow that, you know, you might be tempted to for external validation and stick to, to what you're doing. So I think step one is, is doing the thinking and, and getting it down on paper, but the, the sharing part step two, I think is equally important. Yeah. And I think, um, the third part of that is, um, and I'm guilty of not doing this enough or spending time on one and two, but it's the doing piece, right? Because um, it's pretty, I, I'm, I'm someone who is a self-proclaimed like self-reflection person. And so <laughs> it's very easy for me to focus so much on that at the expense of the doing piece. Yeah. And so, um, which also the great thing, again, bring, going back to this idea of the podcast is that is very much a doing piece, right? And like, that's where the magic happens in terms of the feedback loops that inform what you're, you know, you're thinking about, right. And, uh, and help you kind of, you know, put you down the, uh, work, you know, hopefully towards like the path you're going in, or they give you feedback to like evolve or change or things like that. But, um, you know, at some point the plans are great, but then it's like, all right, well, like, let's just, let's do, let's sink our teeth in. Like, let's, let's, um, let's learn, you know, from this. And so I, um, again, like as someone who does spend a lot of time reflecting, like I can be guilty myself of, getting caught up in that. And that's when I have to remind myself like, all right, like just go, just go and do like, go, go and, and, and do something, get it out the door. Um, get it out the door. So speaking of do, um, talk to me about what it's been like to, uh, to make a podcast. Like what's, uh, what's been the process like, like what's been, what's been fun, what's been challenging, like walk me through just kind of the building, the building of this. Yeah. I think, to that point, Al, I think it's that point is like, you got to do because that's the only way you improve. So I think we have a story. So, you know, we committed to each other that we were going to do this podcast in December, 2018. We then talked a lot. <laughs> we didn't do a lot. We talked a lot about doing a lot for a couple months. We did our first interviews in May and then we did another round of interviews in, in September. And then we spent a lot of time editing, right? Because podcasts got to be perfect when you launch, right? You got to have everything, every duck in a row. And so we finally got it to a point in December of 2019 where we felt like, okay, we've interviewed three amazing people. We have edited it to be perfect 
perfect interviews and we launched and we were so excited and it was amazing. And then we built it, you know, interview after interview after that. And what's funny, and I think your point about doing is so important is if we look back on our first interviews, they're great content. Don't get me wrong. And I think they pass quality bar, but compared to our most recent, it's like, they're just so much better now because we've done 20 interviews. And the only way you do that is by doing. So I think for, for those of you out there that are listening and trying to think, Oh, I'll think about this thing. It's like, just do it, just commit to doing it. And we dragged our feet for, you know, six months a year and we wish we had started earlier. So I think that is, um, just building off that, but that's kind of the story of how we started the podcast, but yeah, just go out and do it. Cause you'll learn and you'll get better. And it's okay. If, you, if the perfect thing is not a, your first thing. And I remember so vividly, even in December, 2019, after all those months of dragging our feet and now looking back, of course, as Eric said, we do wish we started earlier as we were nearing the launch date that we selected. And, you know, I was thinking about all these things that could be better or how is this thing or that thing, or, you know, this part of our episode isn't perfect and wondering, would anyone even like this? Would it be a total flop? And it was Eric who really was just like pushed us to put something out there and see what happens. And so we did. And in that case, the response was very supportive and encouraging. But I think that aside, a huge learning for me through this podcast experience is just getting comfortable with being vulnerable and open to failure by putting forth some new product, idea, opinion, whatever it is, and embracing whatever happens after that um, and, and moving forward from there. So I, I love looking back at our launch and, and thinking about and reflecting on all the things that, that could have been better that we know now. But I'm also just so proud of us for, for hitting send and, and seeing, seeing what happens. Yeah, I, I love that. And just tying this back to the business school experience, I do think one of the great things about business school is that it does give you the space, the time, and the resources to do a project like this, right? And to Eric, to I think maybe one of the points you're making in the beginning, like it really is a safe space to take a risk. Um, and not only that, but not only the time, but the resources, the subject matter experts, um, you know, prototypers or testers or whatever, whatever is in front of you. And so um, I really do encourage students who are in business school, if they have, you know, an inkling for an idea just like you have had, um, to, go and, to go and do it. And to, and to do and to see what happens and to, and to learn from it. And um, if it works out great, if not, well, you tried it and you can move on to the, to the next kind of thing. But business school is great uh, for, for experiments like this and uh, that can potentially morph into things that can become uh, much, much bigger. So I, I'm a big proponent of being able to test and learn and, um, from experiments like this. Totally. So, and at the very mm-hmm. least, you get you know close and you become really good friends mm-hmm. with, with whoever you decide to co-found a, whatever <laughs> project you're working on with. So, I mean, there's not much, much to lose, I think. Totally. Yeah. And, and I think that also is, again, like going back to the business school environment, that is a, um, my best experiences in business school were those shared experiences, right? When you were the ability to work on something with other people. Like those are like, those are the, I mean, like, yeah, like the, like, as we said before, the classes are great and important and you all should go to them. Um, that's fine. But those shared experiences, doing things that are of interest to you with other people who find them just as interesting. Those are the experiences that I remember, um, at least from my time in business school, I remember most and really do, um, really do treasure and think about from time to time. So, uh, you have this podcast, you have 20 episodes out. Um, what, where do you, uh, where do you want to go next? And I'm assuming more podcast episodes, but you know, what's, what's next for you guys? 
I think in the spirit of of growing individually, one thing that is has been a challenge for us because neither Eric and I, nor I are natural at marketing and and selling is learning the ropes of of doing that and really doubling down on that. And we're at a point with the podcast where we feel like we've got consistency, we've got a high bar of quality, especially since we first started. And now we really just want to focus on on growing and, and seeing where it takes us and putting ourselves out there even more to some of our earlier conversations. So I think that's one area that we're planning on focusing on. And then also related to this conversation is at the end of the year, we're planning on taking a step back and reflecting ourselves and kind of similar to this conversation that we're having with you and the questions that you're asking us, Eric and I want to ask each other, you know, what have we learned from this experience career-wise based on the stories that we've heard from guests, but also just from building something from scratch and are hoping to record that into a podcast episode of its own as well. Yeah. And I think building off that, I think Laura had touched on this point is so much of this experience for us has been putting ourselves out of the comfort zone, right? Is being kind of self-promotion-y, whatever, like reaching out to cold email people we don't know to say, will you be on our podcast? You know, and it's been so empowering to see like people are like, yes, I'm honored to be on it. We're like, great, that's amazing. And so I think to that point, um, our, our podcast episodes are so highly edited, right? We have like 90 minute conversation with somebody and we put it down to 30 minutes. And so I think what Lara's saying is we're going to have a podcast episode at the end of the year and maybe onward afterwards, like we're just going to be more of kind of a conversation like this, where it's like a little more unedited, more off the cuff. And uh, that's a new stretch zone. So we're excited to keep exploring those stretch zones. That's great. Uh, I love the idea of having that kind of end of the year check-in and kind of seeing where you're at and really honestly practicing what you preach. And so, um, Laura and Eric, thank you so much um, for joining me today. This was an awesome conversation. Um, and for my listeners out there, definitely check them out on the How I Got, uh, How I Got Here podcast. But um, uh, before I go, um, where, uh, where, can folks, where can folks find you? Where should they go if they want to listen and download and see your newsletter, your blog, and what have you? Sure. We have a website, so you can go to howigotherepodcast.com. We also have a Substack. That's our newsletter. So howigotherepodcast.substack.com. Um, and I think you'll have some of the links in the show notes as well. So yeah, come check us out. Thanks so much for having us, Al. Yeah. Thank you all for, for joining thank you me all. today. Hi, everyone. Al D here. And thank you so much for listening to the MBA Insider Podcast. If you liked what you heard, make sure to head over to Apple Podcasts and to write a review. It will only take 15 seconds. I'd also love to hear what you've been listening to on the podcast and any suggestions you have for how we can improve. Find me on LinkedIn or head over to mbaschooled.com backslash podcast.